You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So Wednesday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. Coming at you 402 on your Wednesday afternoon. The producer of this fine radio show. The co-host of this same fine radio show. And a guy that on certain days I consider him a friend. Today is not one of them, Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon. What's wrong with today? Uh, you know, it's just the day. It's just It's just one of those days. It's one of those days. I don't. I, I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't like to complain much, but I'm gonna be honest. I don't feel very great today, which is uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but hey, we'll get through it. Dedicated to the people of Katie and we gonna get through it. It'll be all good. We got a lot to get to. Uh, we're gonna start previewing the Saints and Falcons. The first injury report came out earlier today, so we'll discuss that. We'll discuss a couple of college football games. Uh, this is my last show of the week, so I will be giving my picks for college football as well as the NFL this weekend. Today, we'll talk about a legend in the world of women's basketball retiring last night in Sioux Bird. And we have three great guests lined up for you today at 4.30. Jay Walker will join us for Cajun's Corner a day early at 5 o'clock. Preston Guy will join us to talk LSU. And then at 5.30, Brendan Ertle will join us for a Houdat Wednesday. Hit us up on the game hotline, 706-0111. Phone line's wide open for the first two segments of the show. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, a couple of things that, that I feel like we need to get to. And Number one, let's start with Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler their fight finally becoming official for UFC 281. It'll take place on November 2nd, November 12th, I'm sorry, in Madison Square Garden. I mean, this fight's been brewing for a while. Yeah, but they've been talking about it for a while, and we finally were able to get it to be confirmed. You know, there was a video back in July at a UFC pay-per-view that neither Chandler or Poirier were a part of. And they were in the crowd, and they had to be held back from one another by security. Uh, so this fight has been brewing for, for a very, very long time. Uh, that will join a card with a title fight in the middleweight division. Alex Pereira will go against Israel Adesanya in that same UFC pay-per-view on, once again, November 12th in New York City. Another interesting story that we, you know we don't talk soccer much but when you see a headline like this you, you kind of have to have a conversation US men's national team and Atlanta United defender Miles Robinson was arrested yesterday or I'm sorry last Saturday was arrested last Saturday for a misdemeanor theft charge over a $5 shot at a bar. 
Now, MLS soccer players don't make the money that international players do, and it's I, I understand that. It's a $5 shot. Here, here, here's my thing. Number one, it's, it's quite simple. You drink it, you pay for it. Plain and simple. However, on the other side, if Miles Robinson wants to be a jerk and not pay for it, I mean, that's crap, but, you know, whatever. As the owner of a bar in downtown Atlanta, you really going to cry over five bucks? Five bucks at a bar. You probably charge him $20 to get in the door. Like, obviously, ethically, you know, again, you, you, you consume the drink, you pay for it. And, and I, I understand that. But again, why are we pressing charges over a $5 shot? That just seems like a, like a bit much for me. James, what do you think? I think it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, that's a bit much. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a jerk for not paying for it. Of course. I get it. But you're really going to press charges and arrest a man for theft over a $5 shot? I just That just seems like an awful, awful lot to me. It's way, that's way too much attention got brought to yeah. that. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a little much. So, I mean, again, it, it is what it is. A couple other things that we're looking at, you know, a radio host admitted a false claim on some Freddie Freeman talks, which is intriguing. Uh, Doug Gottlieb admitted that he made a false claim on the contract talks of Freddie Freeman with the Atlanta Braves, and he is now being sued by the agent. Uh, So alleging defamation by libel. Um, Also, the Big 12, you know, in, in in the world of expansion, James, uh, the Big 12 is looking to head out west. Maybe taking some Pac-12 schools. Could see Oregon going to the to the Big 12. Oregon, maybe Oregon State. Uh, speaking Wednesday, Commissioner Brett Yormark said the Big 12 is open for business. Going out west is where I would like to go. Entering that fourth time zone. A program that has national recognition, one that competes at the highest level in basketball and football, stands for the right things and is a good cultural fit. So that's something to look out for. That's intriguing. Uh, You know, expansion kind of hit a point where we we thought it was done. Uh, But clearly, clearly it's not. If commissioners are talking about, you know, expanding further west, Especially from the Big 12's perspective, they're going to need to fill some holes with uh, with Texas and Oklahoma departing for the SEC any day now. I mean, literally could could go down tomorrow. Um, so interesting thing to look out for there. Uh, also, a, a report came out about Russell Wilson that nobody is surprised about. Russell Wilson's committed to Denver after signing a $245 million extension. 
but the new Broncos quarterback had plenty of other suitors before his headlining split with the Seahawks. The Commanders, Giants, and Saints were three other teams to call Seattle about acquiring the nine-time Pro Bowler earlier this year. James, would you like to see Russell Wilson in a, Seattle, in a New Orleans Saints uniform? That's kind of what I was hoping for from the jump. It was him. I didn't, Aaron Rodgers was kind of like in those talks, and the Saints were there. I didn't really want him, but if they ultimately got him, I'd have been like, eh, it's not the worst thing in the world. you got a very efficient quarterback that doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. You can work with that. It reminds you about when Brady left New England and went to Tampa. There were some rumors that he talked to the Saints and that the, the Saints were prepared to move on from Drew and blah, blah, blah. How re- realistically, how close do you think the Saints were to actually pulling that move and taking Tom Brady? Tom said if Drew didn't come back, he was going to New Orleans. Or maybe not that, but he was very he was very intrigued and he was leaning towards New Orleans because he knew what New Orleans had. But since Drew stayed, it was like, okay, well, I'll pick Tampa. That's very interesting. That is a that is a very interesting deal. Another thing with the Saints that's interesting is talking about, you know, a, a guy that you and I both like a whole lot, James, in Kirk Merritt. So if you look at the Saints injury report, Dwayne Washington did not participate today. Traquan Smith did not participate today. And the Michael Thomas was limited. Mm-hmm. Granted, Michael Thomas is probably going to go on Sunday. But something to keep an eye on is if Traquan or Dwayne Washington, don't, or even both of them, don't go, you could see Kirk Merritt pulled up from the practice squad. And I wouldn't be mad at that. Oh, not at all. No. I would love that. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on because Kirk Merritt could very well make his NFL regular season debut th- this weekend with those with those players being out. Also, Kirk Merritt changed his jersey number. He changed his jersey number to 33 because it was the same number that he wore in high school. Merritt continues to find ways to rep his hometown of Destrehan. Good old Destrehan, Louisiana. Nice. Man, they produce talent. They have produced talent for years and years. Ed Reed, Kirk Merritt, most recently John Emery Jr., I mean, I could I could go on and on, but I mean the point's been made. Uh, Destrehan is an elite football program here in the state of Louisiana. Once again, game hotline seven zero six zero one one one. If you want to get in on the action today, once again we're going to talk a lot of college football. We're going to talk some Saints as well. Start previewing their game with the Atlanta Falcons. James and I are also going to, again, make some college football picks and some NFL picks. But one thing, one more thing I've got to get to in this opening segment, and it is about a guy who goes by the name of David Bennett and used to be the head football coach at Coastal Carolina. Today is the 11-year anniversary of David Bennett going on a rant in a press conference saying, we don't need cats, we need more dogs. Trying to get our two boys ready to carry them to golf tournament for practice, right? Twelve cats live across the road. Our door's open. Screen's broke. We need to get a new screen door. But the screen's broke, so you can come in through the screen, but you can't get back out of it. 
I turn and look, there's a little kitty cat in our, in our kitchen. So I said, what are you doing in here, little kitty cat? By that time, eh, the cat turns, tries to get back out. That screen won't go that way. Cat starts going all crazy. And I told our players, we need more dogs. Bo's barking in the back. I have to go shut Bo up. Mel's like, what's going on? I said, there's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. So I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. The cat's still going crazy in there. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Well, looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. We need more dogs. We don't need cats. Meow. <laughs> Dude, that, that, that rant is legendary. That's legendary. How, that's how I found out about Coastal. I, absolutely. I think that's how everybody found out about Coastal Carolina, unless they lived in Myrtle Beach or, you know, was a fan of the team, a team that played Coastal regularly, like a Furman or a Western Carolina or, yeah, I mean, that's how everybody found out about Coastal Carolina. And then, of course, them shocking the world and winning a baseball national championship in 2016. If you, if you didn't know about David Bennett, then you learned about Coastal just a couple years later. Because they came to Baton Rouge and did some damage to the LSU Tigers. Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa on Saturday, October 1st. And we'll even throw in a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations. All you got to do is go to the Game Clubhouse. And this is the last Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 416 on your Wednesday. Let's take a time out. When we return, we will hear from LSU head coach Brian Kelly, who kind of got some sass thrown his way yesterday, and that's been circling the internet. This is the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up using promo code KLWB to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. I'll be taking the Saints' money line and the over on 42.5 points scored between the Saints and Falcons. But you can always play your way and bet on more than just the final score. You can wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to even catches. You can also combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expires 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys. Mesh right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Brian Kelly met with the media yesterday in Baton Rouge. And, you know, in a long press conference, he went over a lot 
of different things. He talked about Mason Smith, Kayshawn Butte, Malik Neighbors, Makai Wingo, Jaden Daniels, and the matchup with the University of Southern. However, one of the biggest things he spent time talking about were the things that they can fix on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, they were in a lot of pressure fronts. Uh, they went to a lot of bear. They covered us up up front, so they had individual singular matchups on each one of our five guys up front, uh, which put them in a lot of man coverage. Um, we needed to be in some different protections. It took us a while to recognize some of those things. So we got to do a better job coaching that because, uh, you know, Jaden's very sharp. You know, he understands the offense. Um, so that's something that we'll have to do a better job coaching and making sure that he recognizes that, is able to get us in the right protection, get the ball out quicker, which he did when he saw that later in the game, which prompted them on the long drive to drop eight and be in a three-man rush. And when he had time in a three-man rush and nothing was open, it creates opportunities for him to run. So he can be very difficult to defend once he does a really good job and we continue to, to coach him along in those recognitions of those particular fronts. The offense has a lot to fix, but they've got time to fix it. One thing that you're not going to be able to fix is the loss of Mason Smith who went down with a torn ACL after celebrating a big defensive play by the Tigers. Brian Kelly talked about Mason's backstory and offered a latest update. Yes, I can confirm. uh, Our doctors uh, confirmed an ACL tear yesterday um, after an MRI, which, you know, obviously uh, we're, we're crushed for him because he was celebrating for a teammate on the play trying to show his support for a teammate. And so anytime you, you suffer an injury under those circumstances, you know, it's extremely disappointing. He's a great player. Uh, you know, you're going to miss great players, but, you know, it's, it's next man in now for us from that standpoint. So you got to count on, you know, other guys to step up, and they did in the game. You know, I, I think our def- defensive line rallied, played as hard as they could. You certainly wouldn't, uh, after film study, single that out as a reason uh, for not having success. Um, so we'll call on some other players to step up in that role. And, and um, you know, we'll have to be, in some instances, creative, you know, putting guys in position where we can succeed defensively. You know, next man up is the correct mentality in this situation. Makai Wingo was one guy that filled the holes Sunday night against Florida State. So the the question now becomes, now that Mason Smith's out, you can rely on Makai Wingo, but who else? Oh, Makai has been amazing. He's been a great leader. He won this week's SWAT team points again. He's, he's a terrific leader. Um, he played very well in the game. He's active. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Mason Smith is, a, you know, it's it's hard to compare anybody to Mason Smith, his size, his athleticism. Um, but Makai Wingo is going to be Makai Wingo. And what he does is extremely effective as a football player. And um, he gets now, obviously, a, a bigger share of that work. Um, and it'll be a com- incumbent upon some others to, to step up as well. Talking about going back to the offense, Jaden Daniels had a great first start as an LSU Tiger, completing 75% of his passes for over 200 yards and rushing for over 100 himself. Brian Kelly spoke to the media and gave his thoughts on the Arizona State transfer's first start. 
Yeah, I think I've talked a little bit about it. I think early recognition needs to be better, but I thought he competed well. I thought later in the game he definitely settled into some you know, really good rhythm. I think when we did go some tempo, that really, you know, benefited him. Um, I thought late his pocket presence was excellent. He knew when to run. He knew when to stay in the pocket and and find, you know, the open receiver. So, you know, I think first game, you know, kind of a mixed bag early on, settled into it nicely as the game went on. That's not good enough against good teams. You know, you got to be ready to go right out. And I think this will be you know, probably a really good game, this past game, for him to, to really um, learn from and, and up his game. Brian Kelly also spent time talking about the defensive side of the ball, and he offered his thoughts on the picks and interceptions pertaining to the defense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's week one. Certainly, we, we, we want to be able to take the football away. We, we want to be able to tackle better. There's so many things that I could stand here in front of you that in week one, we want to do better. I mean, I could, I could touch upon every single aspect of the game. But, but I think we have to be careful not to, you know, say that this defines anything about this football team other than what they displayed. And they displayed grit. And they displayed character. Um, they love playing for LSU. And, and they're going to battle their tails off. Was it, was it pretty football uh, all the time? No, it was not. They're accountable. Our coaches are accountable. I'm accountable for that. Uh, and we'll go to work this week in, in making sure that we, we coach them better and that they work on execution. But they're gritty. They're, they're going to play hard for LSU because they love LSU. Now the interesting question becomes with Keishon Butte's situation. You know, you've heard multiple rumblings of Keishon's close to making a business decision. He might not be back to LSU, things like that. Brian Kelly, did he have a conversation with Keishon Butte? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there were a number of those guys that were um, disappointed in their in their their play, and they're so hard on themselves. They want to succeed at such a high level. So, yeah, I had a conversation with Kayshawn, and, and uh, his standard is so high. Obviously, it, it was a difficult day for him. It wasn't his best, but he's going to have great games. And, and it's going to be in the totality of his work that he's going to be evaluated. You know, he hadn't played in a while. He'd been out with an injury. Maybe there was a little rust there. I, I, he's the least guy that I'm concerned about on our offense, but he's not. You know, he, he carries that with him every single day. So, yes, he's, he's learning how to deal with that. And he's a young man who hasn't been in this situation before. And he needs some guidance. And so we spent some time and, you know, we worked some things out that will help him handle the scrutiny. Uh, and, and quite frankly, the, the scrutiny was, was, was strong. You know, his reaction was probably similar to what my reaction would be as a 60-year-old. I mean, and, and uh, he has handled it uh, in a manner that he'll learn from and continue to grow from. And in the two-minute drill, you heard Brian Kelly talk about the matchup between LSU and Southern and how important it is for the city of Baton Rouge. James, seven minutes ago, LSU football post on social media. Tickets to the LSU-Southern game are sold out. You can purchase through their secondary ticket provider, StubHub. The game's sold out. 
I think I think that was pretty anticipated. That's just it's crazy to think about though. I we're, mean, at, I, we're at Wednesday and the game's on Saturday and, and it's already it's, it's sold out. It sold out faster than the Florida State game did. To be fair, they are both in the same area. So it's, it would it's it would true. it would make sense that and, it's like, hey, I'm right there. Why not go to the game? And it's the first time that LSU and Southern have ever played each other. They've never played each other in football before. Which is another thing that's kind of crazy. Campuses are like 10 minutes apart and they've never played each other. It is pretty wild to think. That's wild to think about. But Because uh, I, I, I had never really realized how close they were together. Oh, yeah. It's like 10, 15 minutes apart. Yeah. They're right down the road. And they've never played each other in football. So cool to see. Definitely, uh, you know, one, one thing that a lot of people are talking about is, is the bands. I mean, you got the golden band from Tigerland. Of course. But then... <laughs> You got the human jukebox. And if you've never seen the human jukebox in person, wow, is all I'm going to say. I was going to say, there there might be a band off. They are, they are fantastic. And that's why people go to the Bayou Classic. I mean, obviously, the Southern Grambling football game is always good, but people go for the halftime show and see those bands go at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, man. The the human jukebox at Southern. I remember when when Southern came to Cajun Field and Southern's band got to play the halftime show and wow, absolutely incredible. So that'll be fun. The game will be fun, of course. Six o'clock on Saturday night in Death Valley. We'll take a timeout right here, but before we do that, got to tell you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. Football season's here, and the game wants to crown you the ultimate tailgating king. Score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Rage and Cajun football games, and much more. All you got to do is go to the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Salesman Tailgate Giveaway, powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and The Game. We'll take that time out when we return. Jay Walker, the voice of the Raging Cajuns, will join us here on a Wednesday afternoon for Cajuns Corner, and we'll preview the national TV broadcast between the Eagles of Eastern Michigan and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Going deep downfield, he's got a receiver, it's caught! Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajuns Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Jay Walker, how you doing, sir? I'm having the time of my life. Uh, of course you are, you're talking to me. Let's see, see what I mean? <laughs> Jay, give me your thoughts on the 24-7 to win over the Southeastern Lions last weekend. Uh, I think it sure beats a 24-7 to loss. Um, you know, I, I thought overall they played well. I thought the defense played very well. I thought, that, I thought Lamar Morgan's defensive game plan was really good. He said, look, you know, the quarterback can run. We're going to put a couple of spies on him. We're going to rush three. Um, we don't think he can beat us throwing the football. And um, I, I thought it was – I thought the the game plan was very solid, and they get out of there with seven points. Um, you know, offensively, you know, I, I think we knew before we went in that the offensive line is going to be a work in progress. I liked the way that um, 
that uh, Terrence Williams and Jacob Cabote ran when they were in the game. Um, you know, the, 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 both quarterbacks played well, I thought. Uh, you know, wide receivers had a couple of drops they need to clean up. But overall, for a, for a first game, I, I thought it went pretty smoothly. Chandler Fields was pretty efficient, completing 65% of his passes, 173 yards, two touchdowns. Give me your thoughts on his first career start as a Cajun. I thought he was solid. Um, you know, I, I think there were a couple of throws he'd probably like to have back. But, um, you know, overall, I, th- I thought it was a solid performance for your, your first start as a collegian. Uh, you know, he's got some guys who can catch the football, and he's got multiple weapons. And one of the things that I liked, I wanted to see if, if like Levi, he was going to be able to hit 9, 10, 11 different guys, and he did. So that was pretty cool. Um, I thought overall he was very solid. Now, this this is where we might disagree. Uh, fr- from my point of view, the running game seemed a little lackluster. Do you agree? Well, I, I, I you know I said the offensive lines are work in progress, so I didn't say it quite like. I think we said the same thing. One guy technically on the offensive line that had a great game was Johnny Lumpkin. I mean, five catches on five targets for 72 yards and two touchdowns on his birthday, no less. I mean, Johnny, is, is he's one of those guys that's just such a weapon when you're able to get him the ball, and, and he proved that Saturday night. Yeah, he did. And, you know, it's funny. You and I have been talking for several weeks now about, about the Cajuns uh, and their game plan and how they were going to do things a little bit differently. And, and I said it was going to open up some place for the tight end, but I was talking about Neil Johnson. And as it turned out, it was Johnny Lumpkin. But, uh, you know, I think there are nights it's going to be Johnson. I think the tight ends are going to be as big a part of the passing game as maybe in the last um, – Oh, gosh, can you remember the last uh, – since Ladarius Green was at, at UL? Yeah, it, it's probably been that long, which which is crazy to think about. That was forever ago. Um, yeah. All right, Jay, let's look ahead to EMU uh, this weekend. You know, they have a high-scoring offense, put up, put up 42 on Eastern Kentucky. However, they gave up 34. Uh, give me your thoughts on Eastern Michigan. You know, Eastern Michigan is a, you know, I, I know historically they went through a period of about a decade where they were really, really bad. Um, but uh, since, um, last, uh, I don't know, the last six, seven years, I guess, uh, they've been a lot more respectable. Uh, they were seven and six uh, a year ago, and, uh, you know, they were in a bowl game. They've only been in six bowl games in their, uh, their entire existence, and, uh, Two, I think two of them have come under under Chris Creighton, who's their head coach. Now, um, you know, they, they they threw it around pretty good. They threw for 270 uh, in the game against Eastern Kentucky. I, You know, I think this is a game, uh, unlike the last one, that I think you're going to see the Cajuns uh, try to get after the quarterback a little bit. But they've also got a guy who, uh, who lathered up. He averaged about six yards a carry, and he had 83 yards on the ground. So it looks like they've got a little bit of balance. I, I don't, I don't know much about their defense, except that they gave up an awful lot of yards in the game against Eastern Kentucky. But, um, but you know, look, this is a this is a team from a peer conference, and when you play a team from a peer conference, 
you know, I, I, I think you got to come ready to play. Uh, the Cajuns are going to have an advantage, I think, playing at Cajun Field. Um, and they, they need to take advantage of that. This is a, this is a game that I think they should win, but, it, but you know, I'm, I'm going to say it just about every week. I'm going to just caution by saying you can't go out and, and start losing the turnover battles in any game the rest of the season and expect to win. So, um, you know, if, if the Cajuns go ahead and they take care of the ball. Chatting with Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns. You know, you're talking about the Cajuns taking advantage of this game. You know, you, we, we talked about the defense, how for Eastern Michigan, they, they're known to give up some points, giving up 34 in that win last week. Do you see the game plan for the Cajuns changing at all in order to better take advantage? Um, you know what? Not having seen any film on Eastern Michigan, I really don't know that I have an answer to that. Um, I, I, I do know that Eastern Kentucky had a lot of success throwing the football. Now, does that mean the Cajuns are going to come out and just throw it all over the place? No, probably not. Uh, I, I still think the Cajuns are who they are. I think they're going to try to establish a running game. Uh, but I have said from the very beginning, I think this is a year where you're going to see him throw it more than they've thrown it maybe at any time under Billy Napier and most of the times under Mark Hudspeth. Um, and, and I think that's going to be out of necessity while waiting for this offensive line to mature. Um, you know, I, I think the Cajun passing game's got, some chance, got a chance to have some success. And, and and that's what I kind of expect out of the Cajun offense on Saturday. Talk about Eric Gare. You know, we, we talk about him a lot, and he's a guy that has really been making plays for this defense and special teams since he got here as a freshman. And, you know, interception on Saturday and an 83-yard punt return for a touchdown, special teams player of the week in the Sun Belt Conference. Talk about Eric's ability to change a game. You know, ever since he got here, you're right. I mean, he's a guy who has had the capability of making some things happen. You know, he's one of he's one of those guys, and and there are a lot of them playing in the G5. You know, we used to talk about Levi Lewis and talk about his lack of size, and then we always would say, well, guess what? If he was six two, he never would have come to UL. Well, you know, if Eric Guerra was six one or six two, he'd be playing in a P5 because he's got P5. Just doesn't have P five size, you know. He's sitting there at about five eight and a half, five nine, uh, but but he can cover, uh, he can run, uh, and and he's got some talent, and he's been able to put those talents to use with the Cajuns. You know, I'm still trying to figure out how South Alabama passed on that kid. Yeah, I I don't know that I get that move either, Jay. Um, another guy in the secondary. Talk about Trey Amos. You know, still banged up with that injury. According to to Jeff Burris, we're not quite sure when we can see Trey Amos. From your perspective, when do you think twenty one's back on the field? Uh, I don't know. I'm uh, you know I think they were hoping he would have been on the field last week, and uh, you know tonight um, after practice, uh, Mike's going to meet with the media. They're going to give you an updated depth chart, and I guess you're going to find out then if he's ready to go or not. Um, they'll you know they they. they He's a talent, but the but the Cajuns are showing that they've got some depth, and um, you know they they did fine last week. I don't think they got burned in the passing game at all. Now you're facing a better quarterback this week, better thrower. Um, 
Amos is a guy that, that you want to see out there, but you know, if, if he's not, then next man up. Couple notes for you from around the Sun Belt and really just around college football. What do you, what are your thoughts on App scoring sixty one and losing? Well, you know, what do you think about him scoring forty in, in the fourth quarter? I mean, that's that's amazing, right? You know, I, I, I you know I've been doing this longer than you've been on this earth, and I'm just telling you, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and it was just that was just one of the craziest football games I have ever seen. Um, you know, does that mean everybody in the Sun Belt's going to go out and put 35 or 40 on App State? No, I don't think that's what it means. Um, and I also don't think that App's necessarily going to go out and put up 40 on, on the people they're going to play this year. But that's a good football team. Uh, and the thing about App that has always impressed me, you know, we talk about Chase Bryce all you want to, and he threw for six touchdowns the other day, and he's the Sun Belt Conference Offensive Player of the Week. But when you've got Nate Noel and Cameron Peoples and Dadrick Carrington, three guys that have started for this football team at some point in time, three guys who have gained over 1,000 yards in a season at some point in time during their career, they're going to make Chase Bryce look really, really good because that threat to run the football um, is going to go to, you know, if he didn't have a running game, he wouldn't be as good as I, I guess what I'm trying to say. Their ability to run the football uh, has always been something that's really, really impressed me. Um, you know, I I didn't expect to see what I saw the other day, but the fact that uh, they were able to go out and do what they did offensively uh, just underlines, you know, when when they announced the, the new teams were coming in, everybody went to talk about Marshall, and we still may talk about Marshall before the season's over with. But the Sun Belt East goes through Boone, and um, they didn't show me anything on Saturday that would make me change my mind about that. They're the team to beat in the East. They're probably the team to beat in the league, period. So do you think the App Coastal matchup this year will be as good as it has been the last couple of years? It could be. It could be. Um, you know, I, I, what I want to see out of Coastal before I'm able to, before I say yes to your question, I, I want to see how the season progresses, how they run the football. Um, you know, I think that you know McCall's really good, and he doesn't have uh, likely or highly uh, anymore. But I do think he's got some guys who are capable. Today, my answer would be no. I don't think it's going to be as good a game, um, but. I could be wrong on that. Time will tell. All right, Jay, I got two national games that I'm watching this weekend that I want to hear your thoughts on. Alabama and Texas, it's a three-score spread for the Tide. Do you, do you think it, it the win is by that much? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I, I, you know, Texas, look, as, as it turned out, they weren't nearly as good as a lot of people thought they were going to be when the season started last year. And, you know, now they've decided on a quarterback and the guy's real flashy and they put up 52 against ULM. Um, I still don't think they're ready to play a team of Alabama's caliber. And um, so, you know, my, you know, I, I think I think that line is fair and I think Alabama's going to cover it. And then the other one, one of the big stories around college football is, is, is of course, Florida beating 
Utah at home in Billy Napier's debut. Now they've got a top 25 SEC matchup with Kentucky. Give me your thoughts on that game. Oh, man, I'm, I'm just – because it's the conference opener, I don't think it becomes a trap game. You know, so much emotion after that win over Utah last week. If they had somebody of Kentucky's caliber in a non-conference game, or, or maybe somebody not even Kentucky's caliber, but a, but a good football team non-conference, I would say, look out, it could be a trap game. Because it's uh, a conference game, I don't think it's a trap game. I I, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, that is a game that I certainly, at five and a half, wouldn't touch one way or the other. Um, I like Florida at home, but um, you know, I, I sometimes we put too much into what we see in week one, um, and and so you know, I'm I'm going to hedge a little bit on it. Uh, I think Florida wins at home, but but I'm but if Kentucky wins that game, I'm not going to be shocked. Right. No, I, I agree with you. It'll be another good weekend of college football. Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns, joining us here for Cajuns Corner. Louisiana hosts Eastern Michigan Saturday night on the NFL Network. Jay, really appreciate you taking the time. Have a great call this weekend, and uh, we'll do it again next week, my man. I look forward to doing it next week. In the meantime, you just have a lovely weekend. Thank you, Jay. Tune in next week for another edition of Cajun's Corner here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. James, let's have an honest conversation about something. I feel like I could be a good wingman. Cause here's and, and here here's my thought process. And I, I people people are gonna tune us out here, but it's fine. I feel like in order to be a good wingman, you have to have relationship relationship success. Now, I feel like that's a vital part of it. It's a fair point to make because I mean, obviously, in order to teach somebody how to be in a relationship and to get women, you kind of got to know how to do it yourself. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty successful at relationships. <laughs> I've 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 found some success a, a time or two. Uh huh. Um. So I think I'd be a good wingman. Okay. What do you think? Do you think I'd be a good wingman? I remember you gave like a half-ass effort and <laughs> trying to give me with one of your uh, yeah with with somebody yeah that was de- I, that was definitely an interesting experience. I gave more than a half effort. I gave more than halfway effort. You you were like, hey, come to the table. Hey, uh, so and so, come over here. Meet up uh, my co-host. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, I was going to do more, but somebody told me not to. Yeah. So. Because it was clear what you were doing. It was it was kind of funny though. I was, I was laughing well, on was, the inside. It, it, it was it was hilarious. Alcohol was involved. Um. But no, again, I think I'm a good wingman. I think I'd be good at it. I mean, if something nobody would have stopped me, I probably would have got you a girlfriend that night. So. Uh-huh. There's that. Uh huh. Good good for you, James. Keep up, keep up the good work, bud. Cool.
Good talk. <laughs> Good talk, yeah. <laughs> we'll try again next time, bud. Oh, man. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. My last hour of the week. We're going to talk to Preston Guy about LSU. We're going to talk to Brendan Ertle about the Saints. And we'll make some picks in between. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Much more of crunch time coming up after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 502 on Wednesday, September the 7th, 2022. It's our number two of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the LSU Tigers, let's talk some Tigers now with our guy, Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. Preston, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Hey, Matt. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Uh, So question number one. You know, obviously LSU fell to Florida State 24 to 23 Sunday night inside Caesars Superdome. You covering the Tigers, you've now had 72 hours to to kind of look at that game, you know, in, in multiple angles. Give me your thoughts on it. Um, well, the the main difference between now versus where I felt right afterward is first off my heart rate is about, you know, half as high. Uh, but second off, um uh, I, I thought the offensive play calling at first <clears throat> was pretty mundane and boring, uh, but as you look at it, you really start to see that they're calling aggressive, high-tempo plays. It's just there was no room to block at all, and Jaden Daniels pretty much got the snap and ran for his life for the entire game. And then at the end, out of urgency, you know, they just – they, they tightened it up a little bit, and Florida State kind of loosened up their defense there at the end, and they were able to get some things going. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's some things you like out of that game. Ultimately, LSU made a ton. They looked like a team breaking in 50 new football players, uh, and they made a ton of mistakes, and ultimately they lost a football team to, to a good football team by one point. You know, when, when you look back on it, you, you talked about Jaden Daniels having to run for his life all night. You talked about you know the receivers not quite getting the, the catches that many people thought that they would, and and you know you just put it perfectly. Everything that went wrong, you still only lost by one point. How much different could you have seen that game going? It should have been a blowout, quite frankly. Uh, if Florida State takes care of business and you know, just could have been, you know, avoided some of their mistakes, you know, kicking the ball out of bounds. I think about think about late hit penalties. I think about, um, you know, uh, fumbling on the one-yard line, man. Uh, that game very easily could have been a blowout. So in some respects, LSU is lucky um, to, to have lost that game by only one. I think – LSU had more speed at receiver, but the, it doesn't matter if those receivers aren't even looking when they're throwing the ball in the end zone. You know, you you bring up the fumbling at the one-yard line. Was that pitch play worse than the Seahawks throwing at the goal line? Man. 
Because that was no, that was well, egregious. Well, it's not as big of a spot. You know what well, I mean? R- well, um, right, right. But here, here's the deal. I get not wanting to be predictable in that situation, and you had a quarterback you could trust in Russell Wilson. I don't get what's the advantage of calling a toss dive versus just handing it off. I, I, I just don't understand what you're really getting in that particular situation, it just it was really dumb. So I'm, I'm gonna go with this being dumber, but obviously, you know, that that Super Bowl was a bigger spot and you know bigger, more fatal flaw for sure. Yeah, I mean, you you, you talked about either just handing it off or why not Jordan Travis just run a QB sneak? Right. Now, it's just, just like the put the ball in the end zone. And by the way, you really just need to milk the clock off at that point. Right. So Absolutely. I do not understand the toss dive at all, man. I mean, it's just so – I get 99.9% of the time it's safer, but it's like 0% if you hand it off or QB sneak it. Right. Absolutely. Chatting with Preston Guy of TigerBait.com here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You know, post-game, Kyron Lacey, Malik Neighbors, and Kayshawn Boutte all scrubbed their social medias of LSU content after what yeah. was, what was reported, you know, just an absolute bashing by by the fan base. You know, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's sad that that's the day and age we live in where, you know, when young football players don't play as good as their own fans want them to, that, you know, they get harassed and death threats online. Um, <clears throat> there was a lot of people asking about, uh, whether this is, you know, a transfer portal thing, like they're so pissed at LSU, they're transferring. There was even a fake Bregman Murphy account. A bunch of people sent a tweet out about how, you know, oh, he's saying they're transferring. No, they're not transferring. It's just, you know, it's just <clears throat> taking it away so people don't harass you as much. You know, it, it's just, just, it's sad that that's where we live, but that's that's what the players did. You know, talking about Kayshawn Butte, I've heard multiple people talk about the fact that and the the verbiage that I've been that I have heard is that Kayshawn's about to make a business decision and he he could pull a Jamar Chase and, and just sit out and prepare for the draft how likely are you to see that happen well that business decision would be a business decision that would cost him a lot of money um, I haven't heard any reports that that's going to happen um, I can't confirm that it's not but I, I haven't heard anything to suggest that it is. Uh, I can a- analyze the decision, though, of what it would be is you're talking about a player who hasn't played a complete season of football. He broke onto the scene as the very end of the year as a freshman, and last year he played you know, four or five games, and he looked bright in certain spots. But I think that he needs more film if he wants to be a first-round draft pick, um, and particularly after last night where – I'm sorry, uh, Sunday night, where he didn't look very good. He dropped two touchdown passes. Um, so his stock took a hit. If that's all his film he gives this year, took a big hit. Um, so I, I, I would say that, that'd be a pretty poor business decision. I, I don't think very many people would debate me on that either. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think that's in his best interest at, at all at, at this point yeah. in time. Um Let's look ahead to this Saturday, LSU and Southern at Tiger Stadium. First time these two teams ever meet on a football field. Uh, you know, just just walk me through that. You know, two schools being ten to fifteen yeah. minutes apart, never played each other in the sport of football. 
tickets are sold out. I mean, obviously the city of Baton Rouge is really looking forward to this one. Yeah, I talked to a Southern Athletic Director last night on my live show, uh, Tiger Bay YouTube channel, if y'all want to check that out. Um, I was very interested to hear and why that matchup has never happened. I mean, it seems like a thing that's very good for Baton Rouge, very good for Southern University, good for the economy, that kind of stuff. Uh, the Battle of the Bands, uh, it's not a Battle of the Bands, but they're planning something Battle of the Bands-esque, right. you know, with the human jukebox and gold bands Tigerland. Uh, I'm absolutely pumped for that. Um, it's just a really good cultural, economical experience. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Southern's not going to be able to hold their own with LSU, uh, <laughs> despite some people joking about that because they did win their game 86 to nothing last week. And Coach Odoms has done a good job with that team, but they're just, you know, it's an FCS squad. They're just going to be completely outmanned. Um, but. This is probably the game I'm most excited to see in person at Tiger Stadium simply because it's for the first time the coming together of two Baton Rouge teams. It's the Baton Rouge brawl. Uh, I asked their AD if this is something we would see more regularly, and he said that he's looking to make it like, you know, how ULM, Tulane, uh, all those teams get on there every five to ten years or so. He wants to do the same thing with Southern. It's also a good thing because, you know, you have to write a check anytime you don't do a home-and-home with someone. you got to, you know, pay them to come to your stadium because you're not returning that trip. So uh, LSU is going to be funneling Southern uh, $780,000. So that's good to keep that money, you know, in your own city. So uh, there's just a lot of very good things about this. That It's it's a good feel-good moment for the city of Baton Rouge. No, no question about it. On a, on a lighthearted note, Preston, um, the video yesterday from the <laughs> Little Rock Touchdown Club involving okay. former head coach Ed Ogeron, uh, I, I'm sure you've seen it. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I thought you were going to ask me about the video of current head coach well, Brian Kelly. I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm gonna, is interesting. We could get to it. Uh, yeah, how lovable is Coach O, man? Uh, that that was funny. Seventeen million dollars. Which door? What time? Uh, that that was really funny. You know, um, I'm sure somewhere in the back of his mind, he's smirking, looking at LSU half their struggles against Florida State. You know, probably thinking uh, he has a little bit of self vindication. But you know, we'll we'll see. You got to get this coaching staff some time. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. And you know, you, you kind of brought up the the video from from yesterday of of Brian Kelly. Um, it, it's crazy how much that video has made the rounds on social media, right? It's unreal. Four times he's gone viral. Um, yeah, my take on that. So, you know, last year there was a kid who told Kim Mulkey thank you. He was a student reporter, and he said thank you to her after a press conference. And a lot of the media heads gave him a hard time. Uh, on this one, it seems like a lot of people in the local media are kind of, you know, giving the reporter uh, a, I mean, kind of a pass, like, a, okay, well, she didn't mean it. I, I think it was very unprofessional. I understand mistakes happen, but it should be noted that, you know, when you're a reporter, you know, you're showing up to these press conferences, you know, y- you have to be a little more professional because you understand these press conferences are literally like public events like everybody can see them you know it's one thing to crack a joke to a coach privately talking 
it's different at a press event. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that video has well over 4 million views now. Um, some egg in the face for the program because, you know, a reporter wasn't acting like a reporter. Uh, it happens. It's a mistake, but I, I, I hope, you know, hope she learns from it. But it doesn't look great for Brian Kelly because he didn't exactly, you know, laugh it off or whatever. He, he kind of made a comment that he thought was – I, I don't. I just don't think he knew what to say in response to it. He said it's not about winning. It's, uh, it's about being on time, and he just kind of moved on. I don't think he was really upset about it. But at the same time, you know, the, the, <laughs> the program – Kind of looks goofy again in the national spotlight for the fourth time since he got hired. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Definitely not a good look for LSU. All right, two more for you. Uh, Alabama-Texas this Saturday. Uh, I mean, college game day, SEC Nation, the Longhorn Network has their own pregame shows. So you're going to have three different game day shows live in Austin. Alabama's a 21-point favorite. I mean, what are your expectations for this game? Yeah, um, that's a lot of pregame coverage or, uh, you know, postgame misery for Texas. I'll tell you what, uh, that, that program's very good at uh, getting themselves out there. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, no, I think Bama's going to just bring the woodshed to them. Bama's pretty darn good this year, as they showed against Utah State last week. I don't think they deserve to be number one. Uh, I think a lot of people got it wrong uh, uh, putting Bama at number one. I think Georgia deserves number one after that shellacking of Oregon. In fact, I'd even argue Ohio State just because they beat a quality team. Uh, but I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying Ohio State's actually better than Alabama. I think Bama would is better than Ohio State just based off what they did. But man, Bama's going to take Texas to the woodshed. Yeah, <laughs> ain't, ain't no way. I mean that that they looked crisp against Utah State, and we already know what that roster is bringing back with very likely the best offensive and the best defensive player in the country. Yeah, no no doubt. And then the last one, man, I, I, I don't want to put too much stock in one game, but Florida beating beating Utah game one the way they did in Billy yeah. Napier's debut. Now they're tasked with their SEC opener in a top 25 matchup against Kentucky in the swamp once again. Give me your thoughts on that game. Well, Florida really looked impressive to me because we know that's a good Utah team. Um, uh, Anthony Richardson, a lot of people were pegging him as a first-round draft pick this summer. I didn't personally see it because I saw him pass last year. I said, this guy can't pass. <laughs> He's not a great passer, but it looks like Napier kind of has the perfect scheme fit to develop him as a quarterback, and they are no joke. And he is an elite, elite athlete, uh, probably better than Jaden Daniels as an athlete. I, I don't know. They're both I would, really I would, good. I would agree. Uh, I mean, Jaden Daniels is a stud. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw that out there based off what he – I mean, he, he 74% of his passes and – uh, doing what he did, running for his life, uh, dude played very well. Um, so, but yeah, Anthony Richardson looked really good. That I, I, I could not imagine a team impressing me more. And AT and outside of his fumble, did look sharp in spots. Um, so we'll we'll see, man. I, I think Florida takes that one. I, I think Florida's going to do that. Kentucky also. Uh, a lot of the hype around them was with their trench play. You know, their offensive linemen, well, their offensive line didn't impress as much 
as a lot of people were thinking last week. So Kentucky kind of went down on stock and Florida went up. I'll tell you this, the scary thing about this weekend, uh, so many of LSU's opponents looked very good, about as good as you could get. I mean, even Southern 186 to nothing. Four of LSU's opponents pitched shutouts. Um, although one of those shutouts wasn't very impressive, Texas A&M over Sam Houston State. But most of LSU's opponents really turned some heads this weekend. So Brian Kelly's got some work cut out ahead of him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Preston Guy, TigerBait.com, joining us here on a Wednesday afternoon. Preston, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Great insight as always. Uh, enjoy the LSU Southern game this weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon. See you soon, Matt. Thank you. There he goes, Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This Thursday night, the Southside Sharks take on Cecilia on Mustang 107.1, while the Port Barry Red Devils will take on the Beauchene Gators on Newstalk 98.5. Pre-game for both games kicks off at 6.45, with the game starting at 7. Make sure to download each station's free mobile apps to listen to either game or any of our other stations to listen to their games on Friday nights. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. Take a time out when we return. James and I will give you our picks of the week. And Brendan Ertle joins us in the 530 segment. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Crush time with me, guys, MS23 after the hour on this Wednesday afternoon. James! There's NFL football to discuss, like real NFL football that people actually care about. Like for real, for real? Like for real, for real. Ooh. Like total for real. Oh, dude. It's crazy, I know. For real. Let's start with tomorrow night. SoFi Stadium, Bills and Rams. Buffalo minus two and a half with an over-under of 52. Give me the Bills. Give me the spread. And give me the over. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely feeling the bills in this one. I People were saying they weren't worried about the tendonitis with Matt Stafford, but it's still lingering. I still think they'll be a good offense, but they won't be as good with the fact that Stafford has to deal with this injury. And Agreed. it feels like the bills, Josh Allen, still pissed about what happened in that AFC championship. That game was incredible. Or, I'm sorry, a- AFC divisional round. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the coin toss. couple other games, of, of course, the, the Saints-Falcons. Saints minus 5.5, over under 42.5. This one's tricky. I think the Saints win. That spread makes me a little nervous. It does worry me. The the spread at minus five and a half. That worries me a bit. Because we know the history of how the Saints are with mm-hmm. mobile running quarterbacks. And Marcus Mariota, he's nothing great, but I do know the one or a couple of times that he's played the Saints. He, he looks pretty well. good. In your fan duel read, you said Saints money line and the over? And the over on 42 and a yeah, half. Yeah, I would take that. I'm not touching the spread. Yeah, and I initially said I was taking the spread, but then looking at it, I'm like, man, Mm-mm. this is in Atlanta. This is week one. It's kind of too hard to tell right now. It feels a little too rich for my blood. Niners and Bears in Chicago. 
Niners. Niners. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Like, we saw this and, last year. And we don't need to talk about it a whole lot either. We saw it last year. I mean, Justin Fields was running for his life. Right. Yeah. And Niners. I don't, and I don't, his situation didn't get better. Niners easily. Steelers, Bengals, Bengals minus six and a half. Incensing. That's interesting. I say don't sleep on Mitch. I say don't sleep on Trubisky. I think the Bengals will win wow. this, but looking looking in the spread, that that'll be close. All right, I it could come down last minute to the Steelers putting it to within one score. Yeah, or maybe or maybe the Bengals have like a two point lead. They have Evan McPherson kick a field goal, extend it to five to where Pittsburgh has to score a touchdown now, but I'll, Trubisky's not able to do it. I like Evan McPherson. That's a that's a good dude. That's a good kicker. All right, Browns-Panthers. Panthers. I was about to say, Baker just destroys his old team, right? Comes out pissed. I we're, bet. We're, on the, we're on the play like throws, a maniac scale of Baker. Throws for, throws for 350 and four touchdowns. Throws a Baker pick as well. Goes off. He throws oh yeah, a, he'll he, he'll throw one. He'll throw at least one. He'll throw one a game this year. He'll he'll throw one a game this year. Uh, Packers Vikings. It's in Minneapolis. Ooh. Green Bay minus one and a half. Over under forty seven. Both numbers are gross. I think it's over forty seven and a half. No, it's forty seven even. I'm I'm saying they score over that. I'm taking the over on 47. Yeah, because I I see them both scoring high 20s, early 30s. I think, I think the Packers win. I mean, I think the Vikings win. You think the Vikings win? I think the Vikings win. That'd be fair. It's just we already know what Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers can do. We haven't seen what the Vikings offense can do just yet. I think they'll be really good, but the Packers, especially this year, they're gonna have to play ball control offense a little more. They don't have the the weapons that they yep. did in it's, previous years. It's true. Chiefs Cardinals. Glendale. Chiefs minus six. Chiefs minus six on the road. Ooh. Wow. Wow. Interesting. People are really sleeping on the Cardinals, huh? Either really sleeping on the Cardinals or they're just that they're hype really of, high on the Chiefs. Of having three receivers to replace one. I don't I don't know. And no, I, don't know. I remember seeing Patrick Mahomes talking about spreading the ball out more and being like, "Hey, sorry fantasy owners, but right. This is going to this is almost going to be like a Drew Brees offense where everybody gets the ball Throws so you don't seven different receivers a game." Yeah, you don't know who's going to get the ball a bunch other than Travis Kelsey. Right. Raiders Chargers. Chargers minus 3 over under 52. Mm. I think when I looked, I think when I made the prediction I had said uh, I was leaning towards Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to take the Raiders in that one too. Because it's just because it's at home for Los Angeles, right? Yeah, yeah. It's in so, LA. so I mean, it's pretty much even because you automatically give three right to the home team. Bucks Cowboys Sunday Night Football in in Dallas. Bucks minus two and a half. Ugh. At home Sunday Night Football. Hate to say this, I'm taking the Cowboys. Yeah, and if it weren't for a suspect call last year in the opener, right? 
the Cowboys probably would have won that one. Right. It just worries me because both of these teams, their talent has gone down. So it's, it's true. So it's like if we do that, does it even out and you lean towards Tampa Bay again? If that's the case? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a toss-up. That's a tough game to call. That 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 one's going to be interesting. And then the Monday night game. How about the Broncos and the Seahawks? Russell Wilson getting his hands on his former team. Denver minus six and a half with an over-under of 44 and a half. This... This to me looks like a thirty-eight to thirteen game. Yeah, give me, give me the Broncos Russ, easily. Russ throws five touchdowns. Russ walks back into Seattle and owns them. Let's ride on Monday Night Football. That oh man, that's gonna be ugly. That's gonna be so ugly. Quickly, got a couple college games. I, I want to hear your thoughts on James Alabama Texas. Oh, it's gonna be a murder fest. Really, I. I got a weird feeling Texas hangs around. You think they hang? Uh, mm. Now, when I say hang around, the spread's 20 and a half. So you're saying they only they lose, lose by two? I think they lose by 17. So like when I say hang around... Oh, okay. So you're using that term pretty loosely. They're, they're, they're still getting beat up. But it's not going to be a bloodbath. Like I think it's a respectable 45-28 game. I don't know. I, I may have to look more into the history of Alabama versus Texas, but it feels like this one will be at least a three-touchdown difference. Oof. Oof. Florida, Kentucky. Got to ride the train. Got to ride the hype train of Billy Napier. I didn't think they were going to start off hot. I thought Utah was going to... Did you see that pump fake spin move? Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Put that dude on the laundry machine spin cycle. Oof. Dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Love it. Absolutely love it. I'm taking Florida, too. No question about it. Uh, LSU rolls Southern. The Cajuns should. The Cajuns beat Eastern Michigan. Should. Um, I think McNeese upsets Rice. That'd be really good. I think McNeese upsets Rice. I would I would very much enjoy that for the Cowboys. Yeah, I I I think that I think that's gonna happen. Um, we'll see if I'm wrong, but I, I really think that's gonna happen. We'll take a time out right here. When we return, it's Who Dat Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's gonna go touchdown Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Good at Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan Ertle, dude, what's up? What's going on, guys? It's game week. I'm ready. We finally have football to discuss. We made it. Like real football. Pretty well, crazy you know, last week we had something to discuss too with LSU, but we won't get into that. No, actually, I think we are going to get into that. Give me your give me oh, your okay. thoughts on that game. Uh, a really frustrating way to start off the football year, uh, especially being a Saints fan. You know, you you know, I would I'd say majority ish Saints fans are have some kind of ties to LSU as well, and that was not the way I wanted to start out this year. I wanted to start a drama. Less free season, you know, when they were down uh, two scores pretty late in the game, I, I was content, you know, with losing that game. And then they brought me right back into it. 
uh, sat back out of my chair. And uh, by the end of that game, my voice was completely gone. And my uh, boss asked me, you know, what was going on. I just said, you know, football's back. Football's back. I love that. Um, so Kay Adams, who used to host Good Morning Football, she now hosts her her own show on FanDuel TV. And the other day she had Sean Payton join the show and did you get the opportunity to hear what uh, what Sean Payton had to say on her show? Absolutely, I did. And what were your thoughts? Well, first off, uh, Kay Adams has a really good relationship with the Saints and Sean Payton especially. Um, so everything that you know is said in that conversation, you can you can trust. And you know, Sean Payton's going to give you know more of his opinion. Someone like that that he trusts, like her and Jay Glazer, I feel like they're pretty tight with. Um, but interesting, interesting things from him. Um, and it's weird t- him talking about, you know, the NFL as, you know, a spectator rather than a coach. And he kept talking about the Saints as, you know, they had a really good roster last year or things like that. And it was just weird to hear him talk about that. But he said, like, yeah, this is a team that is ready to win now. Um, when she mentioned that Peter King had them in the first seat, he was, he seemed a little bit surprised, but he's like, you know what? Like, that's what this defense will do. Like, this is a defense that can be a first seed. Um, nothing really stood out too much to me besides the fact that he, you know, he was saying like, you know, this team is more than confident that they can beat Tampa. And he said last year, um, again, the third person, he was like, yeah, that team knows they can beat Tampa. And I just thought that was funny that, you know, he was on that team and, you know, inside the building, they know they can beat Tampa. And, you know, the, the rumor is today that, you know, 2011 Julio Jones is back and uh, all this and that. And, I mean, we'll just see. But, you know, I, I like what the Saints stand. And I think, you know, hearing his opinion on the team is really, really weird. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, wide receivers uh, a little bit too. And it's just, you know, just weird. And, um Yeah. We had seen that the injury report came out today. What are your What are your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I expected Michael Thomas to have some sort of participation, and he did, and that was good to see. Uh, but the only thing I was, you know, a little shaky about was Eric McCoy was on there. He was limited. Haven't really heard much about him. And Paul Smith-Devo didn't practice, and that's kind of the bigger one to me. Of course, you love to have MT out there, and I I, I think we will end up seeing him, but not having a Devo kind of hurts a little bit more. You know, we talked about this secondary depth and the depth that we used to have and still have, but you know, when, you know, you're missing a Devo, you trade Garner Johnson and then Marcus May's situations up in the air, even though I expect he'll play. Um, it's just not, it's not ideal. It's not something that you want to go into the first game dealing with, especially against, you know, Atlanta a division opponent who's going to play you tough no matter what, no matter if they're, you know, wheeling out a good roster or not. Um, but I think this is, you know, a situation where if he's not ready, I mean, he said last week he's day-to-day and kind of smirked about it. So I thought he'd, you know, be ready for this. And he still has, you know, a practice or two to get into game, you know, game shape and game ready. Uh, but, you know, he's been on the sideline for a while, so a little bit concerning there. Uh, but most of all, I think it was good, just good to see Michael Thomas back out there. And uh, Dennis Allen said that, you know, they'll see – about him playing, but, you know, when they spoke to Michael Thomas, he was like, I feel great. And uh, Kat Terrell asked him, you know, if he if his goals are to get back to those 2019 numbers, and he said his goals to beat them. So 
I mean, I'm just excited to see him out there, and um, it was really good to see him regardless. Yeah, and with Thomas being limited and then Traquan not practicing at all, do you think Kirk Merrick could get the call up? You know, it was interesting because he he, he changed his number to 33, and I, I was like, hmm, that's a really weird wide receiver number. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's not a weird running back number, so maybe he has a little bit of a, you know, a role um, that we don't know yet. That's something that could definitely, you know, be effect this week that if they want to use him, you know, as, at running back in the passing game, that's something they could definitely do. And uh, Or he could just be switching to 33 to play wide receiver. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but, you know, that's that's definitely a situation where they could call up a guy like Kirk Merritt who's, you know, impressed them. Um Trey Cohen not practicing, I'm not surprised, but I was surprised to see the groin injury. That was a surprise to me. I thought it was a, a shoulder issue when he, you know, went out for that catch and popped up in the air. I thought that was the issue, but, you know, it's a different issue now. So uh, same old story kind of with Trey Cohen, but, you know, this is Kirk Merrick's time. I mean, um, MT a little limited, maybe, you know, I mean, we'll see about him. I think he's going to play regardless, but, you know, if Traquan doesn't play, your depth is a little thinner. So, I mean, I'd love to see Kirkner play. Chatting with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Brendan, give me your thoughts on the opener tomorrow night between the Bills and the Rams. I mean, they couldn't have scripted, I think, a better matchup. I, I mean, you look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are solid. Um, I mean, we saw Tampa and Dallas last year, I believe, the first game. Um, but I think these are two teams that are just super-duper explosive um, I think these are teams that, you know, if you said they were in the Super Bowl, no one would be surprised. They're both really talented. Um, the Bills, I'm super high on. I think, you know, they're the team to beat this year. And um, the Chiefs will always be there as well. But, you know, with the turnaround in the wide receiver room and, you know, Mahomes saying today that he's, he apologized to all fantasy owners because it's going to be a new game plan every week for a different wide receiver. I just think, you know, the continuity he had with Tyree Kill, it's just it's going to be tough. Um, so I think, you know, the Bills are on top of the AFC right now, and uh, the Rams will be there as well in the NFC. So I think, you know, this is a really good matchup overall. And um, I'm just – it feels weird to me that, that we're almost back. I mean, football's tomorrow, and it's it's weird. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, how the Rams look in year two of, you know, um, or the year after when a Super Bowl, and if they, you know, can contend for another one. I know Matt Stafford's had his issues with his throwing shoulder and whatnot with the, you know, situation he's been dealing with. So, um, yeah, interesting there, but really high on the Bills. Yeah, I'm pretty high on them as well. Now, looking at the Falcons, we know that they have Kyle Pitts, but who or what about this Atlanta team worries you the most in this Week 1 matchup against the Saints? You know, I could sit here and say Cordell Patterson, he, you know, he was a problem for us last year and, uh, he pretty much iced the game when he hit that streak route over Paulson and Debo. Uh, that was frustrating. You know, Drake London will probably play. I mean, he's been limited. He'll probably play. We'll probably see him make his debut. But the thing with these games, especially with Atlanta, you know, Marcus Mario has never been that high volume thrower. Uh, I'm looking here, and his best season came in 2016, where he threw for 3,400 yards ish. And you know he's never thrown over 26 touchdowns. Uh, in 2017, he threw he was 13 to 15. You know, the year after was 11 to eight. It's just not really what he's good at. But the thing that worries me is, you know, when a quarterback like him can move, 
that can really wreck a game and the versatility he has. You know, he's going to drop back. He's going to have pressure. You know, offensive line definitely isn't a strong point for them. Um, but it's it's not a situation you want to be you be you want to be in if you know Mariota's escaping the pocket and moving the change. You know, that's not something you worry about with you know the Bucks. You know, you're going to keep Brady in the pocket. He's going to scramble, and if if he does, you know that ball is going to come out like it did last year. But you know, Mariota's more of a skilled runner. He'll probably have more design runs. You know, th- things of that nature to to get their offense going. I don't necessarily see them being you know contending for the NFC South. I know there's been some talk around Saints Twitter about, you know, what team is better, and I don't think it's much of a question, but I think Mark Smota for sure was the perfect signing for them because they just need something. They need something to give them some kind of boost. I think that, you know, he's not going to throw for 4,500 yards, but he's going to be able to run the ball and uh, move the chain. So it's good having Pete Warner out there this week. Um, He's been out for a while, and, you know, uh, he has some good experience, you know, Sideline, sideline, fast guy. So anything they can do to contain Mark Smarota, I think that's key. What's one thing you're watching for in this game on Sunday? You know, we've never really seen Jameis and MT. And uh, if you if you haven't listened to the Trust Levels podcast, you got to listen to it with Mark, Cam, and Jameis. That came up today, and I listened to it. It was phenomenal. But, you know, he was saying, like, um, there's so many different things about New Orleans that he's loved and the experiences that he's had. But, you know, last year didn't really have much. And the year before he threw what a few passes to Michael Thomas completed what one. So we have yet to see him with Michael Thomas and the game we did see, you know, where he ran the first starting offense, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was like picture perfect. The only issue was, you know, penalties that need to be cleaned up. You know, that was just Jarvis and Chris Lava against a good Chargers defense. Obviously, the preseason game, not everyone played, and, you know, their corners didn't even play. So, um, an offense with Michael Thomas, Chris Lava, and Jarvis Landry, you know, that is something where we saw a training with last year, Jamis. Let him go, let him off. And, you know, a lot of people have him as a comeback player of the year. And, you know, if Michael Thomas has a great year and his offense and, the team as a whole is a great year. I could see it for sure. But, you know, will we see, you know, that consistency that we saw in the Chargers game, you know, four for four, moving the chains, hitting the right guy, right progressions. Are we going to continue to see that? Or are we going to see, you know, the quote-unquote bad decision-making, which I haven't really seen yet with him in a Saints uniform. So, you know, when the lights turn on and, you know, you got receivers like Michael Thomas, Chris Lott and Jarvis Landry can catch the ball extremely well. Um, just get it to him. And he said that he said that today in his interview too. He's like, Michael Thomas is the elite of the elite. You got to give him the football. And that's what I'm really looking forward to in this game is seeing, you know, Jameis with Michael Thomas, a receiver. Both speedy, you know, deep threats and Evans can work the field a little bit better. But you know, this short intermediate pass with Michael Thomas is something that. You know, if he, if he can get this down, he can be, you know, a top 15 quarterback. Now, one more for you, Brennan. What's going to be your final score prediction for this game on Sunday? Oh, you know, in Atlanta, you know, it's probably not going to be sold out. Um, I know lots of Saints uh, families are growing. Jameis, uh, his family's uh, from Ishta area over in Alabama, so pretty close. He said his family's going 
Tyre Matthews fan was going. So it's not like there's going to be no Saints fans there. Not worried about the, you know, home field fans or anything. Um, if everything works out perfect, you know, MT plays, we get a deal back in the field. I could see this being a game where, you know, the Saints hit 30 points. I, I would be happy with that. Uh, maybe a 28 to 10 game, I could see. Uh, really hard for me not to say 23, but like a 28 10, 28 13 ish game. And, you know, the, the Falcons find the end zone once, but I, I think it's going to be a tough, tough year for them. And, um, all the Falcons media that are hyping up this game. And I mean, we know who they are. And I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I just, there's not enough firepower on that side of the ball to keep up with Jameis and his team, I don't think. Brendan Erd will answer this question in one in one word. What are your thoughts on marriage during football season? Hmm. One word. <sighs> A wedding during two. football season. Good luck. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Brendan Erdel of Canal Street Chronicles joining us for Who Dat Wednesday. Appreciate you, my guy. Text me score updates on Sunday because I won't be watching the game. And uh, we'll talk next week. Yes, sir. Good luck with that, and congratulations. Appreciate you, bud. Yep. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Attention sports fans, your favorite sports book, BetUS.com, back for their 28th year of NFL action. With the industry's biggest sign-up bonus of up to 200%, BetUS offers their members the opportunity to cash in on all your favorite leagues from the NFL, NBA, MLB, and more. Hundreds of new casino games, including the coolest European slots as well, with live dealers waiting for you at the tables. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. Plain and simple, you need a sportsbook that offers everything from live betting, to MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy bets. Call today at 1-800-79-BET-US. That's 1-800-79-BET-US. And they'll walk you through setting up an account. Nobody in the industry gives better bonuses than BETUS. Join now and mention KLWB to get 200% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody can beat that once again. BETUS.com to join today. That's BETUS, where the games begin. Shout out to my mom listening in the car on her drive to Hammond. It, it's kind of sad that she's driving to the location of my wedding before that I, before I am. But you know, she's she's dedicated. I uh, know I'm dedicated because I'm still working. No, she, no, no, no. Explain. She's, she's dedicated. Oh, dedicated to me. Yeah, to, she is. Yes. Yeah. She she's a good mom. I'll keep her around. <laughs> I want to take this opportunity to appreciate our guest, Jay Walker for Cajun's Corner, Preston Guy of TigerBait.com, and Brendan Ertle for Hoodat Wednesday. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, stay classy, Acadiana. I won't talk to you tomorrow. Blaine Vitar will. Blaine and James will hold down the fort Thursday, Monday, and Tuesday. Duriel Harris will be here on Friday. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. I'm going to get married. See you all next week.